Hello, this is episode 199. In this episode, I'm continuing on with information about what to consider if you're planning on supplying your own fixtures, finishes and fittings when constructing your renovation or new build and excluding them from your contract with your builder. Now, this is part two of this topic. So if you haven't listened to part one yet, it'll make a lot more sense if you go back to episode 198 and you listen to it first. And then you can come back and you can listen to this episode. I'll be waiting here for you. Now, also, I want you to remember that you can grab a full transcript of this episode as a free PDF download by heading to www.onthecoverarchitect.com forward slash 199 and that's the numbers 199 so be sure to do that so that you can review this episode as needed now let's dive in welcome to the get it right podcast i'm your host amelia lee from undercover architect with over 25 years industry experience i've worked with loads of homeowners like you to create family homes that work feel great and that you feel great in I'm a wife and a mum to three kids who, thanks to our own renovations, they all learned to climb ladders before they walked. And I'm a registered architect who is passionate about you feeling informed, educated and empowered as you design, build or renovate your home. Now, if you're up for some frank and open conversation about the true nitty gritty of designing, building and renovating based on professional and personal experience across hundreds and hundreds of homes, well, you're in the right place. Undercover Architect is an award-winning online business and resource that began in mid-2014, and it's all about teaching you how to create a fantastic, feel-good family home, one that works for you now and into the future, one that is sustainable and affordable, and that helps you live a great lifestyle, both in and beyond your home. So whether you're renovating or building, whoever you're working with, and whatever your dreams, your location, or your budget, consider Undercover Architect your secret ally in helping and teaching you how to get it right. Now, before we jump into this podcast episode, a quick shout out to my sponsors. Today's podcast episode is brought to you by me and my free online workshop, Your Project Plan. I actually created this online workshop because I so regularly see a lot of time and money get wasted in renovation and building projects. And this happens largely because homeowners just don't know what they're supposed to be doing next. So that makes it really easy to make missteps, to take the wrong advice, or to actually skip important parts of your project that will catch you out down the track. Or worse, mean that you miss out on things that you really wanted in your home. Learn how to avoid serious and expensive mistakes, what to do next, whatever stage you're at in your project, and also access some great bonuses too by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan and that's project plan spelled p-r-o-j-e-c-t-p-l-a-n that's undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan take the guesswork out of the next steps you need to take in your project journey and sign up today for free for this great online workshop and now let's get on with the episode here we go In the last episode, I went through the first two of the five main reasons that I hear both homeowners and builders use to explain why it's a good idea to source and supply your own fixtures, fittings and finishes in your project. So these first two reasons that I described are number one, being able to get exactly what you want in your home because you can choose and buy it from the places and the people that you want to. And number two, not having to pay for the builder to shop for you and generally avoiding paying the builder's margin. In this episode, I'm taking you through the three remaining reasons. So I hear these discussed by both homeowners and builders, and these three reasons are 
Number three, knowing that the items that you want are in stock and available. Number four, being able to start on site sooner rather than later. And number five, being able to purchase things on sale or purchasing discontinued end of line items and saving serious money. Now, in this episode, I also want to spend a little bit of time highlighting the specific areas of your contract that I want you to be aware of, especially during times when, particularly as it is at the time of recording this episode in May 2021, we're experiencing huge time and cost pressures in home building and renovation projects. Many builders and homeowners are having to juggle delays of months and months at the moment on materials and products for a range of reasons, from bushfires destroying timber plantations to the home builder grant increasing building numbers to record levels to shipping lines being stopped by a blockage in the Suez Canal, you know, to the fact that there's increases in building activity happening in other places like the States as well. And we live in a global economy where we're competing for a lot of the same resources. You know, there's this plus many loads more reasons. It's all come together as the perfect storm to put a lot of pressure on the delivery of all the things your home needs in order to be built or renovated. And many in the industry are saying that they've never seen it busier. I know too that there are many homeowners who are holding off, thinking that they'll wait till it all calms down or that prices come back to normal levels. I'm not sure if and when that will all happen. And in my experience, construction costs have rarely gone backwards or corrected themselves. They've just continued to increase. I think it has something to do with this Look, anytime there's been a challenging situation in the economy, the Master Builders Association, the MBA, and the Housing Industry Association, the HIA, these are the main membership and industry bodies that represent the construction industry. They both donate to the major political parties in Australia, and they put pressure on the government to create something to help the construction industry when things, you know, are a little bit dicey. And so, yeah. This really comes down to the fact that the construction industry, it constitutes 9%, some figures say 10% of the Australian GDP. It also accounts for 9%, again, some figures say 10% of all the jobs in Australia. So my experience in over 25 years in this industry is that whenever things look like they could be getting dicey, a little bit unsure, then those bodies put pressure on the government. The government figures out some type of incentivization to support the industry and the industry just keeps growing. Prices keep moving and we keep building. So this time, the savings scheme that's been offered up is Home Builder. It's had a much bigger uptake than anticipated. The figures are through the roof. It's causing a lot of headaches in the industry for builders and for homeowners alike. It's not the only cause, though, of what we're currently experiencing in delays and drama. And whether you're listening to this podcast at the time of its release in 2021 or it's much later that you're listening to it, it's always worthwhile understanding the economic landscape in the industry what supply and demand is like before you dive headlong into your uh, project. That way, at least you can put in some contingencies and you can manage your risk overall. And I'm going to talk more about what you can do in this current time a little later in this episode. So I'm going to get back now to those three main reasons that both builders and homeowners use to support the idea of sourcing and supplying your own fixtures and finishes in your project. So reason number three is knowing that the items that you want are in stock and available. This is a really interesting reason because in my mind, knowing whether the items you want are in stock and available is the responsibility of any builder that's managing your project. However, if you choose to extract your finishes and fixtures, it's going to become your responsibility to take care of this. Now, with the current situation of delays and difficulties in getting materials and products, it's going to be worthwhile in any case that you are talking about stock levels and availability with any suppliers that you are speaking with. 
And builders should also be doing this as part of preparing quotes and proposals for projects and also for preparing contracts and programs so that they can be alerting you, their client, to any timing issues with specific items that you've selected. Now, you can get certainty around this without having to take on the responsibility of sourcing and supplying all your fixtures and finishes separate to the building contract. If you're talking with builders and designers about your project right now, make sure that you proactively discuss how your project is going to deal with stock and availability issues. You know, as an example, there's big delays at the moment with framing and, and structural timber. So do you have the option at this point to consider an alternative structure and framing material? Will that help? You know, what flexibility do you have in the staging of your project to deal with the delays that you might have? Uh, a builder that I spoke with, they told me about a renovation that is under construction at the moment and they discovered that the roof trusses were going to be delayed by a few months. So they've actually rearranged the order of the works to keep things rolling and they'll come back to that section and its roof trusses when those roof trusses arrive. Now, this isn't going to be possible to do on projects all of the time and depending on what stage you're at and how much this impacts you, it's really essential that you do your homework to see whether it's going to be a problem and what you can do to get ahead of it before it causes you delays and headaches because you won't be immune to it just because you've pulled your fixtures and finishes out of your building contract. Now, reason number four that gets cited is being able to start on site sooner rather than later. Now, this one is a doozy of a reason. And if you've spent any time listening to Undercover Architect, or definitely if you're a member of one of my online programs and, and for certain the home method, you'll have most likely heard me say what I'm about to say now in some way, shape or form. Many homeowners assign building contracts far too soon and many builders encourage homeowners to sign contracts far too soon. And this leads to loads of drama and budget blowouts during construction that is stressful and expensive for homeowners to navigate and can be very profitable for builders. Let me explain some more. So when you sign a building contract, most will sign a fixed price contract, usually based on a standard format of contracts. Now in Australia, this uh, standard format, it may be one based on the Master Builders Association contract or the Housing Industry Association contracts. Uh, or if you have an architect who's acting as superintendent and performing contract administration in your project, then you'll most likely sign an ABIC, ABIC contract, which can then enable the architect's role as superintendent in a contractual sense. Now the fixed price contract, it'll outline the scope of works, which is supported by any noted and nominated documents. And these can include, but they're not limited to, your construction drawings, your specifications, and any selection schedules that you have. The fixed price contract, it will also include a list of items that aren't fully scoped and aren't accurately priced. So these items, they're going to be list in the provisional sums or the PC, which stands for prime cost items. And they're going to be included as allowances in your contract. So I'm just going to call them allowances for the sake of simplicity, but know that when I'm saying allowances, I'm referring to things listed in your provisional sums or your PC items as part of your contract. So remember when I said that homeowners sign contracts too soon? Well, what can happen is that homeowners can sign a contract where they haven't selected any of their finishes or fixtures, uh, or they haven't done a final design on their kitchen or other wet areas. Or for example, they haven't thought about their lighting design or the number of PowerPoints that they want. And so their contract will include all of these things as allowances. And the allowances will include both the items themselves at an assumed rate. So for example, it might say something like allow $40 per square meter for floor tiles, for example, based on X number of square meters. 
And then they'll include a labour rate as well. Uh, and that might be you know, $40 a square metre to lay based on a number of square metres in your home. And so what the problem is, is that you as a homeowner may have absolutely no idea whether the supply cost or the laying cost is relevant and accurate for the tiles that you actually want in your future home. And the more that is included as allowances in your contract, the more of your home that is subject to potential variations as you go through finalising your selections. And the variation margin that's embedded in a contract is generally much higher than the margin that's added initially when the contract is established. There are builders who bank on this. And so they push homeowners into signing contracts that lowball their allowances so that the contract's total sum looks attractive. And then they'll know that they'll eke back the actual cost of the job plus a tidy profit in the variations that they're going to be able to charge along the way. Putting a bunch of stuff into your allowances, it does enable you to start on site earlier because it means that the builder or you, if you're going to go about sourcing all of these items and accurately pricing them, ensuring that they're all available and able to be delivered when you need them, it means you can actually get a contract signed without all of these things being formally chosen and specified. If they're selected and decided upon instead and included in your contract documents, then the builder has to confirm with all suppliers and subcontractors what the price is to supply and install all those selected items as part of finalising your contract and your contract sum. Now, for some reason, a lot of homeowners really enjoy delaying their selections until after they've signed the contract. I encourage you to not do this. I encourage you to make as many decisions as you can before you sign your contract. Design and draw your kitchen properly. Do a lighting and a power layout. Choose everything from your paint colours to the floorboards to the bathroom tiling to your toilet roll holder. Making all of your selections prior to signing a contract, it may stall the start of your construction. It may delay the start of your construction, but it will give you far greater certainty before signing your contract that your contract sum accurately reflects the home that you want to build or renovate. There are going to be some things that will always end up in allowances where it's difficult for a builder to fully scope the works. And this can particularly occur in renovations where a builder hasn't had the chance or the inclination to do proper due diligence on the state of your existing house. And this is another good reason to get the builder involved during pre-construction and to do investigative work on your house and site so that they minimize the stuff that they don't know about and they can accurately scope it and price it for your project. Now, you may find that as these delays that we're experiencing continue to occur and builders are just scared of how they're going to cover material and product price rises that are coming through, that they may actually try and push more into allowances in the contract um, because this may, depending on the, the structure of your contract, it may actually give them more flexibility to pass those price rises directly onto you when those items are listed as allowances. So, Navigate this with care and get legal advice before you commit to something, especially if it's making you nervous or uncomfortable. And don't delay the decision-making process. You know, make as many selections as you can upfront. It not only informs your contract, but it will also save your sanity because inevitably, if you do delay those selections, this is what usually happens. The point at which you'll be having to decide on all the interiors, fixtures and finishes that you really do care about in your finished home and you've longed to see become a reality the point that you're going to be de deciding on all of them, it's going to arrive when you have such decision fatigue after doing your project for so long and you're going to be just over it and unable to make confident decisions about them. So protect your future self, get the home you actually want and can afford and make those selections and decisions early. 
Now, reason number five for supplying your own fixtures, fittings and finishes and extracting them from the building contract is that you're able to purchase things on sale or purchase discontinued end of line items and save serious money. Now, I know personally, when doing our own renovations, I was a massive bargain hunter. I mean, we still have a stock of stuff that we didn't use in previous renos that we've stashed away for future work. It's sitting in our garage and our shed and we have the space for it, so we can do that. And interestingly, we recently had a toilet breakdown in our house. We've been carting this brand new toilet that we got for free from a showroom floor from house to house. And so that was the toilet that got installed when our toilet broke down. So to the bargain hunters, I see you, I feel you. Please know though, that buying end of line or sale items, they may save you cash, but they can also be a huge source of issues in a project if not properly handled or not discussed with your builder. Now, some items, they'll be discontinued because Australian standards have been updated and that item no longer meets code. Sometimes discontinued items won't have all the parts available for warranty issues down the track or, you know, if specific fixing items are required to install it, those might not be available either. There can also be issues with batching or getting matches later if quantities are miscalculated and something gets damaged during construction or you need a replacement item shortly after your build is finished. Another thing to check if you're sourcing items secondhand is that you'll need to find a builder who is willing to work with recycled or secondhand materials because depending on what it is, they can sometimes cause issues with getting certification on your project. For example, sometimes structural engineers just won't sign off on structural items that are sourced secondhand and some builders will find it too labour intensive to work with secondhand items so they simply won't do it. If you are trying to reuse and recycle in your future home though, please persevere because there are builders who will work this way. They just might take a bit more hunting to find though. If you're getting a home demolished to build a new one, please do as much as you can to sell off and recycle what is in the existing home. The construction industry, it's one of the biggest resource consumers that we have. And it's also one of the biggest contributors to waste and to landfill. And the more that we can minimize this through our own projects, it will go a long way to reducing the impact that our homes have on our lives and on the environment. Okay. Now, there's a few more things that I want to talk about before we wrap up this episode. So in case you haven't picked it up, I think that extracting your finishes, fixtures and fittings from your building contract and supplying them yourself as the homeowner is not a great idea. I think that taking on the responsibility of sourcing and supplying your own fixtures, finishes and fittings, it can cause homeowners huge headaches and expose them to much more risk than they're aware of. And I personally feel it's better to leave as much in the building contract as possible so that you have one point of responsibility, control and warranty. And then it's up to you to do effective due diligence on the builder that you choose to give that responsibility to. Additionally, I think that many homeowners who do this in an effort to save money in particular, they totally underestimate the work that's involved in organizing all of those items for their project and all that goes along with that. Plus, they underestimate the problems that can occur down the track when there's difficulty determining who is responsible for the various aspects of the work or rectifying any issues. Also, don't underestimate this. The builder can sometimes access lower prices or items that are not available to retail customers, and that can overtake any price savings that you thought you were getting by doing it yourself. I also see homeowners just not knowing how to order items properly or check that things are all included in an item as needed, and so that can incur extra cost and challenges when navigating that. I actually remember an architect telling me that they had decided to order all the light fittings for their own project, thinking that they could get a better deal. It took three different deliveries for all the items to arrive intact after failed orders, 
mistaken deliveries, not all the products being, you know, being there. And in a situation like this, that can have an on-flow effect to the electrician's work and subsequent trades as well, especially if the item is part of work that needs to happen before other construction can occur. Now, if an architect is having these problems, then it can be very easy as a stone, as a homeowner to stuff this up. And, you know, that architect told me they had to spend three separate sets of times going through every single box, every single order, hugely time consuming and just something that they would never do again. Now, in addition, you'll find that most items, they're going to come with manufacturer's specifications that cover how that item needs to be handled, how it needs to be stored, how it needs to be installed and how it needs to be maintained. And if you are the purchaser, then it's your responsibility to ensure that these manufacturer's specifications actually get into the hands of those who need them to ensure that they're followed. It's not going to be your supplier's responsibility to do this. Now, if you leave these things in the builder's contract, then it's their responsibility to take care of this. And when you don't follow the manufacturer's specifications on their products, you can void any warranties. So that's a really important part of the puzzle to be across. Now, something else to be aware of, even if you've selected the item and you're directly paying for it with the supplier, but you've organized for the builder to call that supplier and order that item when they need it so that they can coordinate the delivery as required, the builder is still entitled to charge an administrative fee to do this work. So let me say that again. If the builder is taking on any responsibility whatsoever in coordinating the order and the delivery of that item, even if you've paid for it, then they are entitled to charge an administrative fee to cover their time to do that. There's a few more things that I want to go through. Okay, so don't forget, you can grab a full transcript of this episode as a free PDF download by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 199. That's the numbers 199. This is a big episode I've crammed a lot in. So you can get the transcript, you can file it away to refer to and review when needed. All right, so... Perhaps you still want to take this on after everything that I've explained about supplying your own fixtures and finishes, you still do want to take this on. And I know that there's some homeowners who still want to do this. And sometimes, you know, because they have family connections with specific products that give them access to great savings that a builder can't match, or they can access other savings, they will actually save some serious cash if they supply these products themselves. So if you are going to take this on, then of course, all the things that I've discussed in this episode are worth remembering and checking. I just want to summarize some extra key action steps that you can use to be better prepared for this in your project. All right. So number one, it's essential that you insist on a schedule or a program from the builder that gives detailed information on when the items that you're supplying are going to be required on site. So a program or a schedule, it's the document that shows how and when construction will progress. It's usually presented like a Gantt chart showing workflow and the tasks that lead uh, from one thing to the next. And so it'll identify the various packages of work and depending on how detailed your builder makes it, it'll also list out the kinds of tasks that are included in each of the packages or stages of work. And it needs to show when the items that you're supplying are required on site so that you're not getting unexpected calls on the day before or the day of and then scrambling to organize delivery. And as a side note, I actually recommend that you get a program or schedule and that you insist on it, whoever is supplying the fixtures and finishes. A builder who does a program is a builder who cares about time and proactively manages and it keeps you informed. You know, this document is amazing. It helps you communicate with your builder about your project progress. Not all builders do them though. Okay, so ask builders about this as part of interviewing them for your project. 
Now, number two, I want you to do your research about lead times and delivery expectations. Lead times can really surprise homeowners at the best of times, and they can generate a lot of disappointment when homeowners don't allow enough time to include the things that they want in their home. So when you're researching specific uh, products, then find out the lead times and the reliability of those lead times as well, because they're changing quite regularly at the moment. Consider whether you're going to need the flexibility to only source products that are locally made, for example, or that are locally stocked in large quantities. Be diligent as well. Don't just find out once. You know, good builders, they're doing follow-up after follow-up after follow-up so as to confirm things on time for their project expectations. And you may need to do the same to ensure that you're getting things when you want them. Number three, consider whether you'll need to purchase things early and store them somewhere. So this may be the best way in some instances to have certainty that you can supply things in time and check what that might mean for warranties and if they commence on purchase. And so we'll be ticking over whilst you've got this thing sitting somewhere. Also check uh, the products on delivery so that you know whether they're damaged or not. And then you can determine if you're going to need separate insurance to cover these items uh, in your project whilst they're being stored somewhere off site. Number four, be clear about the lines of demarcation between what's inside your scope of responsibility and what isn't so that you can discuss things in an informed way with your builder. Homeowners supplying their own fixes and finishes. It's a huge source of litigation in projects. So ensure that you are aware of your risks and obligations legally and keep communication lines open with your builder proactively. And number five, lastly, remember that this area of supplying your own fixtures, finishes and fittings, it is a time consuming endeavor. So ensure that you have the capacity to do it in the way that it needs to be done. Manage it like a project of its own. Keep records of the products names, the suppliers, the contact details, sales representatives, the product codes, the order numbers, the invoices, the conversations you've been having along the way, schedule out the list of fixtures, fittings, and finishes that you're including and specifying. We actually have template schedules inside the home method for interior and exterior selections. It's great seeing members make the most of them, even when they're getting the builder to supply all these items, because documenting them all means that there's a written record, there's no confusion, and you have all your information easily at hand to refer to. Your project goes for a long time. There is a boatload of decisions and things that you're going to be reviewing over that time frame. So support yourself with a system and approach that will make it less stressful to access the detailed info that you need when you need it. Okay, now lastly, we're going to talk through some specific contractual considerations to be aware of when you're reviewing and signing a contract with a builder and then moving through your project under execution of the contract. Now, of course, I suggest that you read all your contract before signing it that you understand it intimately, that you get legal advice on it, and that you work with a builder who is seeking to explain it to you and take you carefully through it as well. Many homeowners will overlook how much their building contract actually obligates them. They can feel it's a document that purely defines how the builder has to behave, but there's a lot in there that specifically applies to what you can and have to do as well. And especially during times where experiencing challenges in materials uh, deliveries, in price rises and builders who are under pressure to deliver according to contracts that they may have negotiated months ago, it's going to be essential for you to understand the details of your contract. I'm seeing many homeowners respond to their news about price rises with, it's okay, we're in a fixed price contract but that won't necessarily prevent you from having to contend with them in your project. So one area of your contract that I want you to be aware of is how it defines variations what happens when a variation needs to occur in your project and the process that needs to be observed. 
And this may differ based on where you're located and the type of contract being used, but check what actually constitutes a variation. And variations, they may impact time or cost or both. Okay, so now if you change your mind about something that's in the contract, say you're standing on site and you decide that you need a wall moved. Now, of course, you're going to be most likely triggering a variation. If you choose a fixture or a finish that's more expensive than the allowance that you have for it in your provisional sums and PC items, then you're most likely going to be triggering, triggering a variation. However, you may find that there's language around the variation in your contract uh, about it being something when something unforeseen happens or when something that happens that's outside the control of the builder. So I was recently told by a lawyer that COVID and delays experienced by COVID impacted activity, they're no longer considered uh, as unforeseen. And um, now that may vary based on your location and your contract. And of course, you know, if the state goes into a six month unprecedented lockdown that also impacts the construction industry, that's not gonna be necessarily something that anyone could have foreseen and accounted for. However, unanticipated price rises and also price rises that are happening beyond the normal expectations of CPI, or small increases, they're going to be potentially outside of the builder's control. And so they may be passed on to you as a variation. So you want to understand this. You also want to understand what's going to, what other charges are going to be associated with variations in any event. So what usually will happen in a variation is that the builder will need to get it formally priced and present you paperwork that you then have to sign off before they're able to commence the works associated with the variation. Now, as a result, many builders will actually charge an administrative fee to manage variations that they'll have identified in their contract. And so that may well be in there already, and you'll see that they have that administrative charge, as well as the cost of the work associated with the variation. And then they'll also have a margin that's identified uh, in the contract that's specific to variations. And so that will all get bundled in as the cost of the variation. So you might say, I'm going to change from a tap that's $50 more expensive, but when you get the variation come through, it's got the admin fee, it's got the margin, um, it's and it's got the, the the different price of the tap. So it's, it's important that you understand what happens. Now, um, you will also generally get charged an administrative fee whether you go ahead with the variation or not, uh, because the builder's company has to do that work anyway, to formally price and present the variation to you. So this is one of the many, many good reasons to avoid changing your mind during your build. And it's one of the reasons that I encourage you to, to make your selections prior to finalizing your contract. So you can just limit the amount of variations that you're experiencing. I know it can be challenging. I know that it can often be that it's not until you see it in real life and you see it on site that you realize how you may want things finished or that you might want to change your mind about stuff. And it can also feel like so long since you made the decision about something that when it actually rolls around on site, you wonder if you've made the right choice um, or you know, perhaps something new has caught your eye that you think you're going to love more. But do yourself a favor. You know, These homeowner-induced changes that happen during walk-arounds on site, they can get really, really expensive. They can add up and they're going to make your build a lot more hectic and chaotic and stressful as a result. If you want a calm build, if you want to manage your stress, then bring your decision making forward as much as possible. I want you to discuss with your builder as well what contingencies you need to build in to accommodate these variations that might be happening for other reasons though, and how it's going to be navigated contractually. 
and try and run the scenarios. I always think it's a really good idea to mentally rehearse worst case scenarios as a good way to test what might happen and discuss what might be happening in any event. Now, another um, definition that I want you to review, it's in relation to variations. It's called the extension of time definition. So understand what that enables a builder to actually claim in extensions of time. There's going to be specifics around uh, how long they've got to notify you and the steps that they have to follow as well. I want you to also review what's going to put you in breach of contract, especially if you are taking on responsibility for sourcing and supplying any of your fixtures, fittings and finishes. As I said, there's going to be obligations for you in the contract as much as there is for the builder. And also, if you're financing your project via a lender, like a bank or other you know, lender, be sure that they review the progress claims that are laid out in your contract. Now, the builder has a contract with you to do your new home or renovation, and you have a contract with your lender to borrow money from them. So if the lender is late with payments to your builder, and there's a condition in the contract that enables the builder to charge interest on late payments, that's going to be up to you to deal with. It's your responsibility to make sure that your lender pays the progress claims on time. It's not the builder's responsibility. Now, sometimes lenders will dispute how a builder issues their progress claims, or they'll struggle, for example, if progress claims are coming in every 21 days, or if they've broken their uh, total contract sum down into smaller chunks than, say, for example, you know, most standard contracts will have six or so major stages that are laid out as in their standard format. So the standard format of our residential construction contracts, especially those that were created by the Housing Industry Association and the Master Builders Association, they're really geared towards building a home with a project home builder or a volume builder where the home is finished comparatively quickly. And so the stages are very predictable as percentages of the overall project. However, if you're doing a custom new home or renovation, and especially one that has a larger budget, then your builder is most likely going to want to break up the total contract sum into smaller progress claims uh, to manage their cash flow over the longer project duration. It's totally understandable and totally reasonable for them to want to do this. However, it's important that you get this reviewed and understood by your lender because lenders can sometimes push back on this and just want the standard format. And so you want to find that out before you sign the contract and, de and dealt with all of that. Um, you don't want to be finding this out during your build because otherwise you can then end up having headaches when it actually comes time to pay those progress claims and then you have to battle your lender plus be paying those, uh, those delayed payment interest payments as well. Okay, all right. So I'm going to do now a quick summary of all of the information that I've shared over these two episodes about the various things to consider if you're planning to source and supply your own fixtures and finishes and extract them from your contract with your builder. Plus, I'm going to point out what else to pay attention to during any time especially now though when we're experiencing lots of pressure on the industry as a whole. Okay, so I thought this summary would be helpful because we have covered a lot of ground in these two episodes. So firstly, if you do want specific products in your future home that are unique to certain supplies that you've fallen in love with, establish whether any of the builders that you're interviewing are only going to work with preferred suppliers. Builders often work with preferred suppliers due to a need for reliability in their projects, uh, for wanting certainty around pricing with potential longer-term arrangements, for after-sales service should an item need repair or replacement, for storage solutions to hold orders until delivery to site is organised, and for longer payment terms to help manage project cash flow. When sourcing and supplying your own fixtures, fittings and finishes, be aware of the risk that you expose yourself to in extracting these items from your contract. 
how you'll manage storage of items prior to them being needed on site, the coordination of delivery and having sufficient knowledge and planning about when items need to be on site, the potential long-term issues with warranties and who is responsible for what if something you supplied breaks down or damages other things that were in the builder's contract and the time that it's going to take to manage this process in your project. Now, when a builder includes the supply of your fixtures, fittings and finishes in their contract, you are not just paying for them to do the shopping. They are planning, scheduling and programming your project and determining when all these items need to be finalised, ordered, followed up on, paid for, delivered to site and installed. They're also handling all the admin that's associated with all of those steps. And they're also taking responsibility for the correct installation and warranties. When sourcing and supplying of fixtures and finishes and fittings is fully or partially extracted out of a building contract, and you as the homeowner take responsibility on some or all of these items, you can run into issues with builders who don't or won't schedule or program their projects and will only give you last minute notice for when items are needed on site. You can blur the lines between where accountability exists for these items and the integration that they may have with other things in your home. You can experience stress, extra costs, time delays, and even contract breaches. Plus, it can be a big source of communication challenges and even litigation. And that is it. Whew. Now, that was a big run through of information on the topic of sourcing and supplying your own fixtures, fittings, and finishes when renovating and building. I do hope that you found it really, really helpful. I also hope that you'll go and download the transcript of this episode and also of part one of this topic, and then you'll have the full version of both episodes in PDF. You can get them for free by heading to, for part two, you can head to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 199, the number's 199. And for part one, you can get by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 198 or the number 198. Please share this podcast episode with family, friends, colleagues, even strangers, basically anyone that you know it may help so that we can get this information and knowledge into the ears and hands of as many homeowners as possible and improve their experience of designing, building and renovating their family homes. I love hearing the stories of those who found this podcast thanks to the generosity of another listener. It is just awesome. Now, if you haven't left a review on the Undercover Architect podcast, especially if you listen on iTunes, I would be so grateful if you please could. It really makes a difference in enabling this podcast to reach others that it can help. And it also ensures that I can continue to grow the podcast and get amazing guests and information on here as well. Be sure to tune in for our next episode, which lands each Tuesday morning to access helpful information and education in your project journey so that you can get it right as you design, build or renovate your family home. As always, thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time, bye. Bye.